Welcome to B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper, brought to you by True. For too long, B2B has lacked creativity and inspiration, leading to alarming declines in effectiveness and marketing departments being slowly devalued more and more within their organizations. We're here to change that by getting under the skin of what it really means to be a highly effective B2B marketer. We'll be speaking to some of the brightest minds in the industry to discuss what they're doing to be a bit more, well, Don Draper. And now, here's your host, Stuart Black. Joining us today on B2B Needs Don Draper is Sarah Richter, CMO at MRSIS, the omnichannel customer engagement platform which empowers marketers to build, launch and scale personalized cross-channel campaigns that drive business outcomes. Sarah is a creative marketing leader with more than 15 years of experience in high-growth, fast-paced MarTech organizations who is passionate about building revenue-oriented marketing teams. So Sarah Richter, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. First off then, what does being a bit more Don Draper mean to you? So I think that being a bit more Don Draper is all about thinking about marketing and B2B as actually still being sexy. There is a preconception that somehow B2B marketers don't do creative things. They aren't sexy in their approach. They don't explore new channels. And as a long-term B2B marketer, I would disagree with that. And I think if you bring that approach and that thread and that enthusiasm to your marketing, then B2B marketing becomes just as exciting as anything you can do in the B2C world. And, and break that down a tiny bit for us. What does sexy means? Obviously, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So what do you mean by that? Well, have some fun, for one thing. Um, explore different channels. Be willing to be creative. Think about the, the design and your creative elements. Don't be limited by necessarily what you think is a template for, for B2B marketers. Um, think about who you're talking to. Your audience has their own interests. And if you can speak to them in an exciting way, your marketing is probably being quite creative. What B2C tends to do so well is to think about consumers and get excited about consumers. In B2B, we sometimes get a little too serious um, and we worry about business outcomes, which is really important in B2B marketing, but we're still talking to people. And if you're talking to people, then I think you can infuse your marketing with a lot more fun, a lot, a, a lot more, a lot more sex appeal. Got it. Okay. Well, we, before we get into into that in more detail, tell us a little bit about MRSIS for those who don't know. So MRSIS is actually a part of SAP. We were acquired two years ago. As you introduced, um, our product is an omni-channel customer engagement platform, and our purpose is to empower marketers. And we want to empower marketers in two ways. We want to give them the tools to drive personalized, engaging experiences with their customers, whether they're doing it face-to-face -face or through the plethora of digital channels that are available. But we want to empower them to do that in ways that are actually going to drive business outcomes for their organizations. And, and as you say, you're marketing to marketers there, um, and some, some might say they're more discerning about marketing messages than other groups might be. Um, so what have you learned specifically about marketing to them? You're absolutely right. Um, I think it's a privilege to market to marketers. But the challenge and what you learn is that marketers are going to judge you on your marketing, not just your offering. So they're going to judge you on how things look and feel. How do they sound? How personalized are you? If I'm if I'm selling you something that allows you to personalize, then I better be drinking my own champagne. 
and actually delivering that personalization, all the materials that I bring to you and taking that approach across the board in every engagement. And for many B2B marketers, marketing is uh, subservient to sales and the revenue team. They don't necessarily act as a partner. Um, How is marketing structured at Emarsis? So I love that word partner because that's how I think about it. I don't think of marketing as subservient to sales in, in any way, shape or form. I always describe for my teams and the organizations I work in as the marketing team working in partnership with the sales or revenue team. And I describe the the CRO or chief revenue officer as my partner, my best friend. We are in it together to actually achieve the goals that the business has. I think marketing brings its own perspectives and its own knowledge to the party, as does the revenue team. And when you bring them together and you actually listen to each other and collaborate on your go-to-market, that's when the magic happens. Right. And what can B2B marketers learn about how to be successful in a sales-focused model versus a more marketing-led one? So I think they need to understand what the drivers are, both for their salespeople, because their salespeople, to some extent, are their customers if you're delivering demand generation. And they need to understand their customers, their audience. It still comes down to that. The sales team is only driven by what prospects and customers are asking for and what the market is talking about. And they can be your most effective ally and your most effective stream of knowledge for what's actually happening in the market to allow you to do a better job of speaking to the people whose attention you want. Not listening to them, conversely, I think can be an Achilles heel because you're immediately weaving out all of this incredible on-the-street knowledge that you wouldn't get otherwise. And let's talk about the brand versus demand debate. Um, The UK is forecast to have the longest recession on record, unfortunately, um, and many other developed countries are experiencing slowdowns. Uh, Factor in the Russia-Ukraine instability, and a lot of businesses right now are tightening their belts. So at this tricky time, what advice do you have for B2B brands facing a likely economic downturn? So I think I agree with you. For everybody, it's, it's going to be a challenging year. I think most B2B marketers are looking at challenging growth targets, probably with less budget, and are being forced to make some challenging decisions about where they're going to spend their funding and their resources. People are people cost money too. So how are you going to deploy those resources in 2023 to really um, enable the business and still have your voice be present in the marketplace? And I think for me, the first thing I think is there is going to be a lot about optimization. And I don't think that's a unique comment that I'm making. It's really taking a hard look at what you're doing and what are the things that really you can say that's necessary, that makes an impact. And whether it makes an impact to you in brand or PR or demand generation, there are lots of elements that are important to a B2B marketer. But to really understand that, yes, you can say, I can see the impact of of that resource, of that spend, and I can see what it's giving back to the marketing team and the business. I think that's critically important. Stay in touch with your customer. Understand your customer. Talk to your customer. In a world where there is a downturn, the value of your customer only grows. You want to make sure that you are retaining those customers, you're understanding why they've purchased from you once, twice, however many times, and really focusing on that customer loyalty. It's a lot more expensive, whether you're in the B2B world or the B2C world, to acquire a new customer. Acquisition is where the cost is. So focus on ensuring as well that your customer base sticks with you um, in a time of upheaval. Mm, that's good advice. Um, and MRSIS specifically, is there anything different that you'll be doing to to combat the challenges? 
I think, yeah, I think I talked about, I think to be honest with you, much of that is driven from what's happening right now. We're coming towards the end of 2022 and I'm spending most of my time doing planning for 2023 and asking exactly these questions of the team. I think getting creative, getting closer to the customer is the conversation that we keep having. How can we do that? How can we communicate in a different way? How can we understand in a different way and use the tools at our disposal to make all of our engagements next year that much more powerful? And how will you adjust your marketing budget between short-term demand gen and longer-term brand building? I love that question. Um, I think that's not unique to the upcoming year. Um, I think probably as many B2B marketers would say, when I think about the programs that we're running and the things that we're doing, I am often looking for a mix. I don't have the luxury as a B2B marketer of doing some of the brand campaigns that B2C marketers tend to focus on. doesn't mean I don't think they're important. I do. But what I'm looking for is how can we get kill two birds with one stone? How can I run a campaign that helps to elevate my brand, but actually also delivers on some of the shorter term demand generation needs that I have to meet for the, for the rest of the business? You know, a really great example of that for us is we have an annual um, thing called the Power of the Marketer Festival. And um, we just ran it in September. And for us, that is that beautiful combination of something that absolutely elevates us in the marketplace, allows us to go out and talk about our brand across multiple channels and face-to-face, but also allows us to do some very nitty-gritty of getting the right people into rooms, whether they're virtual rooms or physical rooms, and engaging with us to talk about what their business challenges are and offering them um, solutions. We recently saw some online content for your uh, your festival, Power to the Marketer, uh, as you mentioned, and it looked amazing. Um, so where do things like events sit in the funnel? Uh, is it more a brand building activity or demand gen activity, or is it both? I think it's both. And I also think it depends on the type of event, right? Not all events are created equal. Um, you know, pa- the Power to the Marketer Festival is both a virtual and in-person. And in 2022, it spanned over three days, multiple time zones, opportunities to come to events physically, watch on-demand content, or actually watch live stream. So that's a great example of an event that's encompassing lots of different things and in different ways achieving different goals. So I think if we're thinking about some of the larger trade shows, which I do think are back in many cases, those are probably for me a combination of brand and demand generation, smaller type events, which we often do, which are more face-to-face, you know, smaller networking type dinners. Those tend to be more about relationship building and also about progressing relationships that exist already, whether they're a relationship you're building with a net new brand or a brand that's been a customer of yours for some time, and you're looking at solidifying that relationship. There's been a lot of research recently that suggests big brand campaigns also drive short-term sales. Uh, Is brand building always a long-term play in your book? Maybe we can uh, talk about uh, the recent Christmas adverts that we're seeing everywhere in B2C. Absolutely. You can't, if you forget about brand, you're forgetting about who you are in the marketplace, right? If everything, everything then becomes quite a tactical, a tactical demand generation thing. And demand generation is very, very important, but the thread that pulls it together is the brand, right? Is the overall messaging, is that encompassing messaging that goes up a level to really talk about who you are, what your purpose is, what's the connection that you have with your customer. And I think that's true for every brand, regardless of what marketplace they focus in. B2C brands have an amazing opportunity in the run up to Christmas, of course. John Lewis is a classic example of how they can come out with a message that encompasses who they are and drive 
absolutely drive you to thinking about you're sitting in front of the TV and you're watching the commercial. And you think, oh, yeah, I did want to get that for so-and-so. I could have John Lewis and order that right now on my iPad. And there's a great example of how instantly it's driven a probably very quick win um, for the company. Whereas if I hadn't had those two things come together at me, I might have purchased from somewhere else or maybe forgotten to make the purchase altogether. So you can never get away from it as a marketer. It's a fun time of year to see all these big companies uh, putting all their money up on screen. It's a little bit like uh, the Super Bowl halftime show, isn't it? It is. I actually think it's more effective than the Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> that's that's what I must admit. That you know, as an as as an American who grew up with all that, I mean, it that's almost an event in and of itself, right? Is to try to guess who the brands are going to be and then how are they going to use their their thirty to sixty seconds. And what impact is that going, what is that 30 to 60 seconds really going to have over an entire year? And is it a part of an ongoing campaign or is it just a one-off? I would argue one of the things that works well about the Christmas campaigns is they don't tend to be one-offs, right? You have a couple of months, six weeks minimum, where you're talking about a message and a nice continuous fashion and you are, you're hitting people across multiple channels and multiple different times and having that continued impact. Super Bowl, I think, is always an interesting one. When somebody decides to buy a spot, they hit once, spend millions and hit once. And that's perhaps where my B2B marketer kicks in and says, how do you measure the impact of that? Is that, <laughs> right. is that, is that, is that driving the ROI for you or not? And I don't know the answer. I, I, don't, I don't think there is, every brand has a different goal and every brand has a different answer, but I would certainly ask the question. Very interesting. And then, and then talking about kind of creativity and making marketing more human, you know, in some ways to the point where people are getting excited about being marketed too. Um, what does more human uh, mean to you in that context? It's remembering that at the end of the day, marketing is a conversation between two people. A person who has created a campaign and a person who is receiving that campaign and that message. And that doesn't matter, matter whether that actually happens when you hand somebody a piece of pay, a flyer or you send them an email or you send them a text message or there's a web push or the, the millions of ways we can now get marketing messages out. I think the trap marketers fall into is they start to forget that they're talking to people. And they think about segments and they think about spreadsheets and they market to spreadsheets and they forget that there's a real human on the other end who has probably very common drivers and very common concerns and wishes and wants, whatever they're trying to appeal to. And if you speak to somebody in language that they would understand in a conversation and you treat them as an individual and as a human being, I think you're far more likely to get a positive response, whatever message it is that you're trying to get out there. Mm, interesting. Uh, on our last call, you you said we were in a golden age of marketing right now. Uh, can you sort of sum up why why you think that's the case? I would be delighted to. I think we we I think we really are in a golden age of marketing because we have so many options available to us as marketers. Think 15, 20 years ago, the number of ways that we as marketers had to communicate with people. We didn't even talk about channels. We didn't have channels. We had a couple of different things that we could do. Now we have a plethora of ways that we can reach and engage with our audiences. And we have the joy of choosing between, do we want it to be more focused on words or on visuals? Do we want it to be digital? Do we want it to be face-to-face? -face? Do we want it to be in-store or at an event? Do we want it to be on a website or an app? Do we want it to be on TV in the Super Bowl? Do we want it to be something that we pass out on the street? Many of the ways that we had to market, like 
old-fashioned direct mail are still, without a doubt, alive and kicking and incredibly valuable. But we now have this universe that we get to play in, which for a marketer who wants to be creative, how lucky can you get? (laughs) Although some might say that level of choice uh, can be a bit overwhelming. Choice is always overwhelming. And that's where a marketer has to remember that we're not just playing with a set of toys. We're actually trying to drive business, right? And then what we need to do smart is to look at all of our toys, but make a decision about which toys we use based on data. So there are a plethora of channels out there, but they don't work for all. They're not all created equal and they don't all work the same way for the same people, the same audiences, the same brands. You got to understand how your brand is going to be best communicated, where which channels are going to work best for you. Where is your audience? Not every audience actually consumes messages on every channel. So you need to understand where they are. And to your point about being human, speak to them in the language that they want to be spoken to. And if you can bring those two together, then you hit nirvana. Wow. So knowledge is power. And and then it's just about making sure you make that human connection. Um, Great stuff. That brings us to our rapid fire round. Um, I'm going to throw some choices at you. Um, If if you can just tell us uh, how you feel about uh, each one from your gut and just choose one, and then maybe we can go into it a little bit. Are you ready to do that? I'm delighted to do that. Okay. Number one, advertising or ABM? ABM. It's more personalized. It's more focused. Advertising that word comes with connotations of broad brush. Um, and we talked a lot about personalization and talking to people as humans and being on the right channels. ABM gets a lot closer to that because you're starting to think very specifically about who you're talking to. Why are you talking to them? Where are you talking to them? I'll throw another one at you. Logic or magic? Can I combine the two into lo- <laughs> What, what, what well, would be the word? Logic? <laughs> <laughs> uh, since you've come up with an elegant response, think, I'll, I'll, I, I'll let you have it. I, I, think that, cause I think the question you're asking really is, is marketing data or is it, is it creativity? Is it art or is it science? Yeah. And I would always say that marketing is a combination of art and science. You need both. Both are there in really great marketing. Good and very crafty answer. Thank you. Uh, brand building or lead generation? Demand generation. <laughs> I will pick the head and option number three um, <laughs> because I want to drive demand for the team. Well, I want to drive demand, but as I said, that should be for the the brand. We talked about this a little earlier. For me, you want you want campaigns that are that are delivering both. Got it. Okay. And and what would you say is the problem with B two B right now? If there is a problem, I'm not sure there's a problem with B two B. I think there's just a bit of sadness sometimes around b2b that somehow it isn't as exactly why you run this podcast right that somehow it 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 is second fiddle to b2c that somehow marketing marketing software which is what i do is less important or less sexy than marketing toothpaste Mm. for example and i don't really understand why that is to tell you the truth but i think it behooves all of us who are in b2b marketing to be maybe a little bit prouder of what we do and talk perhaps a little bit more about it and have a little bit more belief that we are doing some really interesting and creative things in marketing. And if Don Draper could step into the space and help us out, what, how, how would he solve that problem? He'd go talk to the customer, of course, find out what it is the customer wants, and then he'd infuse his marketing with that. All it leaves me to do now is say thanks so much, Sarah Richter, for such an insightful chat. Really enjoyed learning uh, more about your take on marketing. Uh, thanks for being with us today. 
Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure being here. I'm Stuart Black and see you all next time on B2B Needs Don Draper.